Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. My name is John Ram, and you're listening to the Honest Actors Podcast. Tell me what, it, what it's for. Who's okay. my audience? Okay. Who am I speaking to? Who am I speaking to? Largely actors. Um, 85% of the audience is based in the UK. 50% of the audience is based in London. Uh-huh. Um, and so is it a podcast? I it's think. a podcast, yeah. All right. It's not about a project. It's not about, yeah. you know, all that Yeah, stuff. I haven't got a project, so that's fine. Hi, my name is Jonathan Harden, and you're listening to the Honest Actors Podcast, Series 2, sponsored by Todaytix. If you want great offers on theatre tickets, access to day seats on your mobile and exclusive front row lotteries, you need Today Tix, the ticketing app that lets you see theatre differently. To get tickets with no queues and no fuss, download Today Tix now on the App Store and Google Play. Now, if you were thinking that it sounds a lot like this intro has been recorded in a bathroom, that's because it has. That is the sound of ice-cold water running into my bath. And if that wasn't cold enough, I will be adding ice, actual ice to that, before I gently lower myself in. Those of you who heard episode 10 may have an idea why I'm doing that. If you don't, stick around to the end when not only will I be getting in, but I'll also be explaining why I'm doing it and how you can help the Actors Children's Trust by donating. So, that's a little bit later on. For now, though, enjoy episode 11 with John Ram. I'm first of all going to say thank you very much for inviting me into your home, giving me a cup of tea that tastes like tea, which happens outside London. Really? Because uh, you forget, not tea in London is <laughs> terrible. Uh, mine, but, mine didn't taste like tea because mine's rhubarb with almond milk, so mine actually doesn't taste oh, no, like tea. You're just tea. showing off. <laughs> People are meant to like you, and you just go, you just go right in with robots without <laughs> almond milk. <laughs> really? Well, well, yeah, I'm trying. I'm off caffeine at the moment. You I, are I decided one of those metropolitan elite that we're hearing about. I'm, yeah, I'm one of those. I, I decided not to drink caffeine, and um, you know, and and I, then I decided not to drink dairy. So, so what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm I don't drink dairy, but I drank it because. Ah, oh, there you dairy. see, it's not just me. Is that is that dairy? In That's there? dairy in there. Yeah. See, I don't. I mean, we've stopped this year. And actually, no, last year we're, t- we're trying to go vegan. You see, it's not just me, you're metropolitan it's, elite. But it, I was a vegetarian for 35 years. Why did you stop being a vegetarian? I, I, what happened was I was doing a show and, um, in, the, in the West End and, it was, uh, and then there were none. And I was the, uh, the servant, the, uh, the steward. And uh, I was serving up sausages for breakfast. 
And so I was bringing these sausages, sausages to and fro <laughs> from the table. Sausages, we call them. To and from the table, and they would just disappear. But I would eat them. I, I couldn't help myself. My Some people say their weakness is bacon. Mine is sausages. So there I was carrying these sausages around, and I would just eat them. So how long? That's a year of a show, is it? Yeah, a year. How much weight did you put on? Well, it wasn't that so much. It was just the fact that eventually I was busted. Like, people say, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're a vegetarian and you're sneaking those sausages. So in the end, I came clean. And once, once it was made public that I was sneaking sausages, that was my cover blown. And, you know. Um, I'm going to start, uh, as I do with all the interviews, by asking you a very simple question that may have a very complicated or very simple answer. And that is, how did you become an actor? How did you come to be an actor? And you can go back as far as you like in that. Well, I was a little little child when I wanted to be an actor and I was doing little shows in the front room like you do and actually I no like you do this is the point of this so, well, so yeah. you, were, you, were, you were a kid who on your own or with a no, my, or... My, we'd do shows at Christmas with my brother and my two sisters and well we we'd but, but, but yes, I, 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 was, I was going to Mrs. Coates in Fairfield Road and she ran a ballet class. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes on a Wednesday evening, she also did a tiny bit of acting. So I went there, first of all, when I was nine. And then I went to um, Croydon New Theatre when I was uh, about uh, 12. And then after that, National New Theatre. You know, I was just uh, lots of amateur theatre. and all. But there was a point when I was about... 14, where I couldn't make up my mind whether I wanted to be an actor or a paleontologist. A paleontologist being a studier of fossils. Because I was obsessed with fossils. But I wrote to uh, a famous paleontologist and he wrote back saying, well, if you want to pursue a career in paleontology, you need to be good at maths. So I thought, oh, well, that's that then. So I became an Dude, actor. Was that simple? Yeah. Maths was the defining factor. Yeah, the, was the I, I was hopeless factor. at maths. I barely scraped a CSE grade one. So there was no way I could pursue a life in science, so I became an actor. And have you held on to any of that paleontology kind of? I mean, do you have anywhere in this house? Yeah, I've got some fossils, yeah. Yeah, downstairs, I'll show you. But wow. I used to have a massive, massive collection of fossils, but not anymore. Oh, yeah, I, went, I, went, I got a geological hammer and went hammering for fossils. Yeah, I found loads. In Croydon? In, in Coolsdon which is just outside Croydon. Yeah. And there was a quarry, there's a chalk quarry, and there I found probably the finest um, fossilised sea urchin called a micraster, called a heart-shaped echinoid, it was called. And it's absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Wow. I don't know where that is. I think I've got it in a cupboard over, over there somewhere. So you've written to this famous paleontologist. Yeah. You've decided that that is not a route you are able to pursue in That's spite right. of, in spite of yeah. um, your desire. Yeah. So... Is it fair to say acting is, was then a second choice? No, no, not at all. Not at all. In fact, even if they'd said, actually, yeah, please come and join us, paleontologist, in all likelihood I'd have probably become an actor anyway because that was really my overriding passion. Did you, have you ever played a paleontologist? No, I don't think so. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, that'd yeah. be a great marrying yeah. of desires. So you're, what age then, uh, 16 or younger, 14? When, uh, when I actually decided, mm. 12. Oh, you're 12 and you make that... Yeah, of... pretty much, because that's when I joined Croydon New Theatre and that sort of started... My, I, I spent my adolescence acting instead of, instead of doing normal adolescent things like going to discos and stealing cars. I was acting. That's all I was doing. Going to so, discos, stealing cars, you know, driving to other discos. <laughs> yes, that's right. 
busy a busy weekend yeah. of discos and car driving. But I, 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 sp- I, I my, all my sort of life events and learning how to be human in my adolescence and 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 early twenties. I just acting, 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 non-stop acting. Out of that, I correct me if I'm wrong. I get that your parents. Um, were supportive of that and that you, you were going to theatre, you were going to this woman when you were nine years old for a little bit of acting. Yeah. Um, when you make a decision to commit, or at least for yourself, to this notion of being a professional actor, is that a step too far for them or do they totally go with you on that journey? Is there ever a sit-down conversation? I, th- I think like, they, were sw- they were swept along by my... Um, uh, it wasn't even. A, it was a passion. Of course, it was a passion. But I, I, in actual fact, there was no alternative. This is what I was doing. That there was nothing else I was going to do. Um, and so they insisted that I went to university and do a degree, which I did. You know, my parents insisted, so I went and did a degree. But I did a drama degree um, in Aberystwyth, and I spent three years acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a degree, but it's a drama degree. Don't say but. Well, I've got well, a drama degree. Yeah, but you can't be a paleontologist with a drama degree. You can't be a paleontologist with any other degree but a degree in paleontology. <laughs> one would imagine, one would hope. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, dra- dra- drama sort of. What my point Transferable is. Transferable skills, John. But actually, all I wanted to do was act. That's, that's, that's all I wanted to do. Uh, yeah. So you come out of a degree. Yeah. And you go into drama school? No, not initially. First of all, I was doing little theatre companies in Eastbourne, which I was telling you about earlier. Um, had a little theatre company in Eastbourne with my friends from college, and then another little theatre company in, back in Aberystwyth for about a year. Um, and then, after that, that's so I was 22 when I went to drama school for a postgraduate. So old. Well, sort of. But, but I'm looking at, I'm working with young actors who, who who know what they want to do and get on with it. Uh, unlike me, who took so long, really, or took sort of around the houses to oh, get Oh, come on. Oh, I don't 20, regret any of 22, it. 22, though. Oh, yeah, 22. So I came out at 23, and in those days you had to work to get a, an equity card. Yeah. So I got, uh, I went back to Aberystwyth to do Godspell to get my equity card. Right. Where, uh, yeah. So what did you do in Godspell? Well, I was going to play, I, want, I went up for John the Baptist, Right. Um, and but I was up against another actor um, for that. That um, happens a lot in the industry. Yeah, he, his name was Michael Ball, and he Michael got it. Uh, and and I played a character called Herb, which is probably a little less memorable, really. Uh, but I got an equity card. You got an equity card. I, hey. Some people get their equity cards on stilts. So, yeah. you know, you did okay. <laughs> if for those of the of the audience who don't know who you are, if you could pick one job and say that is it, something I'm very proud of, or that. You know, that's that's me. What would it be? Well, Ooh. I've got a very short attention span, so really, it would be my last job, which was Sheppy uh, by Somerset Maugham at the Orange Tree, which I finished uh, a couple of weeks ago. And actually, it was a, a, an amazing experience playing that part. Because what I like to do, I really, really, really enjoyed the borderlands between um, comedy um, and other sensations. I, I like 
tragedy, horror, uh, drama, what, whatever it is, that there are border, there are borderlands. Um, and I like walking those tightropes where you can sort of, you go, you just tip it one way and you're in comedy and you tip it another way and you're in whatever it is. Yeah. Something more serious. And, I, and, and Sheppy did that. And I think the plays I enjoy doing most have that borderline. Yeah. Do you, are you the kind of person who uh, enjoys the process of going up for work? Um, by and large, yes, I do. Uh, particularly theatre auditions. Um, because I, I don't know, I just, I, I, I have a rule, really, which is that I don't care whether I get the job. Well, sometimes I do, of course. But generally, I don't care if I get the job, if I can walk out of the audition room thinking I've done a good audition. Because sometimes you're just not right, you know. I might be the, slightly the wrong age. I might be, have not enough hair, whatever it is, the wrong accent, whatever it is. But if I can come out of the room feeling like I've done a good job, I genuinely feel okay about myself. See, that's interesting. Um... I've always, I've said for years, you're auditioning for the next job, or for the next audition, rather. So I always think, if I've done a good audition, my positive is, they'll see me for something else. Yeah. Like, and that's worth more than getting the job in some ways, because you might get seen for 10 things. Like, yeah. You know, if I, I'm never sure whether that's true, though. Oh, come on, don't take that away from me. I, you, you, think you, so? can o- you can only be there in the moment, can't you? And just... Yeah. I, I, I never assume that they're going to ask me back, ever. Really? No, never. So your thing is, as long as you do, as long as you do a good audition, that's yeah, yeah. What happens if you don't? What happens if you leave and you feel like, like that was that was less than brilliant or worse than that? Well, it's so I depressing, like, isn't it? It's so depressing when you think, oh god. So how does that t- take me through? Take me through. You've just been into uh, the drill hall. And you've obviously spent some time in the script beforehand. You've you know thought about it. You've maybe even fantasized about what the job might be yeah. like. Should you get it? Yeah. You go in. You're terrible. You leave. Oh. You're coming down the stairs in the drill hall. What What's the kind of process? What do you do? What do you think? Does anything make you feel better? It's that horrible thing of, oh God, I need a coffee and that. Yeah, you just feel miserable, don't you? If you've done a bad audition, it's horrible. I've never done about it. Oh. <laughs> Why is that funny? Yeah, me neither. Why I'm is just, that funny? I'm just supposing. Why is that even comical? <laughs> I didn't understand. Um, so, 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 does that hang over? Does that is there a hangover of that into your real life? Then do you get home and think about it? Are you? The, I mean, oh, well, for, you know what it's like. It's it, it's if you haven't worked for a long time and you have a have an audition and you do it badly, it's just everything it makes everything worse, doesn't it? Um, yeah, you, you, it, it, I think one of the biggest tricks in the business, isn't it, is staying buoyant, actually, and make, feeling good about yourself if, if things aren't going so well. So tell me how to do that. Uh, I, I think m- more and more now, I, I really do prepare for an audition because I, can't, I don't want that horrible feeling of walking away thinking, oh, I was rubbish. I hate that feeling. Do you think, it, do you think it com- that feeling comes down ultimately to... Not having prepared properly? Yeah, M- mostly, yeah. And, you know, God knows I've done that too. So when you say prepare properly, right, um, let's say you had a theatre audition, today is Friday. 
Yeah. Let's say you had a theatre audition, you found out John next Wednesday, you've got to go in mm. and you get you get a script. Uh, without, you know, the temptation here, I suppose, is if you don't do any preparation, you're going to have to lie. Yeah. Uh, but to be as, truthfully as you, being as truthful as you can, how much time might you spend on that between now and Wednesday? Uh, I think it's partly proportional to how much I want the job. Okay. Um, I think everyone does it, relies on blag quite, for quite yeah. a lot of it. Having said that, I would, I would read the play, all of it. <laughs> what, even the end? Even all, yeah. Spoiler? Um, and I would, I'd, I'd probably do it a few times in front of the mirror. Yep. And pull the right face. Say, oh, that's so, a good face. So you're, you're a, that's a good face kind of guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Interesting. Yeah. So is there such a thing as over-preparation then, I suppose, is the natural question to come out of that? I don't think so. Um, I suppose what you don't want to do is you don't want to have too firm an idea of what, mm. of what you think that you've got to be open to ideas I mean and that's the frustrating thing isn't it of course about auditions is that they want to see you making some form of a decision Mm -hmm. but they don't want to think that you've made a final decision because they want to get you there they they want their help they want you to know they want to think that you're as open-minded as possible and can change so of course yeah if you over prepare in the sense that you you make all your decisions in advance, then that's not so good. Yeah, but it, equally, if you have a great range of faces in the right order, <laughs> yeah, then you know that's you've nailed it. Yeah. basically. Do you think there are things other people do in the room, i.e., the people on the other side of the process? I was going to say the other side of the desk, but that would be a bad thing. Mm. But the other side of the process um, that that you dislike intensely like if you walk into a room and something happens is, is there something that puts you off your stride yeah you always feel don't you that if, if they're not really interested it's very difficult to sort of summon up the enthusiasm I once did an audition with um, someone who was reading the paper and could barely look up from it to say hello um, that was so dispiriting you know you think oh. I'm here, where are you? Buy tickets to the best theatre in London the new way. With the TodayTix app, getting great offers and access to exclusive tickets has never been easier. With TodayTix Rush, you won't have to queue at the box office for hours to get day seats, and you can access big savings with their lotteries for shows like Kinky Boots and The Bodyguard. Download TodayTix, the theatre ticket app, from the App Store and Google Play, and see theatre differently. You said earlier, um, you know, sometimes you're not right. Sometimes you're, you know, wrong accent, not enough hair, whatever it is. Those are your words, not mine. <laughs> um, is there kind of feedback you hear or in the past at a certain time in your career you've heard a lot? No, I mean, I've, I've had very little feedback, actually, from auditions. It's, it's that sort of, you know, you do it and you walk away and you n- I never hear. So I've no idea what they're saying about me. So this is interesting. You never hear. Never hear, no. Would you like to? Uh, 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 well, probably not actually, unless it's something that I could do something about. But like, I don't read reviews for the same reason. It's just ah. Uh, do you read reviews afterwards? Uh, sometimes I do. See, I know that you don't because I know a lot of actors say they don't read reviews, and I'm always a little bit yeah, you do. But I know you don't because I know you didn't. I didn't when we worked. No, I didn't together, right? No. Um, and 
if you were in a show and I tell you when I do read reviews go ahead if that's if, if, if someone comes up to me and says oh my god you've got to read those reviews they say you're brilliant then you read it then I go oh okay oh, that, that sounds safe but, but, but <laughs> read that but, one so okay then out of that what you're implying is the only reason you don't read reviews is the fear that people will say you're not good I don't want yeah 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 I mean I don't want to uh, I think there's nothing worse than trying to throw everything you've got into a show while feeling insecure I don't like that yeah so uh, reviews tend to make people insecure certainly make me insecure See, so there's no point in me reading them a lot of people won't read reviews so they say because they say even a good review will influence your performance no no uh, in a very 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 shallow way if, if someone says something very nice about me I'm more than happy to take it and I'm very happy to read it that's very it, honest the, 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 the fact is I don't read them because I don't want to read the bad stuff yeah that, that's why I don't read them if I knew that they were all going to be good I'd read them but I don't want to be put off my stride by the bad stuff because the good stuff you, you only half believe. Yeah. The bad stuff, you believe it. Yeah, it's true. So are we, are, are we do you think, overly fragile creatures, those of us who I, do I this? think, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, yes, no. I mean, I think a, anybody reading about themselves, whether they're an actor or not, in the newspaper, it's a quite a traumatic experience because yeah. you don't, who, who, who likes to be criticised in public? I mean, having... But, but actors, yeah, I mean, it's our job to be um, uh, vulnerable. Um, and then we're supposed to be as hard as nails at the same time. I mean, it's a bit of a paradox, I think. An agent once told me, and this is brilliant because I've done this now uh, 23 times, 20, something like that. And I'd say most people since the first few have heard it. And so they know what's coming. You, don't, you, haven't, you haven't heard this before. No. An agent once told me, don't look nervous, that the only time an actor is ever truly happy is in the five minutes after they get a job. Now, obviously, agent's got his own baggage there, but he then said, after that, the doubt sets in. And I suppose this feeds back into what we've just been talking about, and that kind of, you know, nobody likes to be public, publicly criticised. I think the implication being here, we start to fear, can I do it? Am I the right person? Am I too tall? Am I, do I have enough hair? Is my accent wrong? All those things that even when we've been told you're the person for the job, we start to play on our mind. Do you recognise any of that in yourself? And if you don't, what kind of things do you start to worry about after you've got a job, if anything? Uh, you Usually, um, I, I very rarely these days take a job that I don't think I can do. So if, if I have any doubts about it, I probably wouldn't take it. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I think most of the jobs I do, I enter into with a kind of certain degree of, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I'm going to get found out. This is the job. Yeah. <laughs> this but is I think, the one. But I think, you know, so, so when, I, when, I, when I take, if I take, I take a job and, and I want to do it, then I don't have that sort of worry. My worry is, is that, just, you know, that I, so I enjoy the re audition process and the rehearsal process and putting the show on. My worry is that I've completely misjudged it. That I don't, that actually, mm, okay. that actually I think I'm doing great and actually I'm really not. That is it. That's a nightmare. And, and that's happened. So, so I, oh. I, 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 think I'm, I think I'm doing okay. This is, this is all right, isn't it? 
uh, this is what I wanted to do. Mm. And then I find out uh, sooner or later that actually, no, I've made the wrong choices. That's actually made me shiver, the very made thought the wrong of choices. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've, I don't often feel insecure uh, actually trying to get the, the thing together. No. Okay. That's, I mean, that what you've just said is, is giving me the fear. <laughs> The fear of being in a situation but how where... how can we know? You know, you, 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 you give it everything, don't you? You commit to said. a certain yeah. set of decisions and you've got to follow it through and you give it everything. There are times when you realise, actually, those were the wrong set of decisions I just made. But you don't know until you've committed to them. Well, it's, it's, it's very much like the... Uh, I tell it to Joe McGann at the start of this series and we're talking about the idea of uh, the company, let's say, Dickhead. Uh, the idea that if if you don't know who the company dickhead is, it's probably you, right? If you don't know who the weak link is, it's probably you. If you're looking around a cask, and this is a horrible thought, but if you're looking around a company and that thinking... That sounds like paranoia to Doesn't me. it? But if you're looking around a company of actors and you think, fuck, everybody's brilliant, then that probably means you're the weak link. <laughs> no, it probably means you're just as brilliant as they are. probably means you're a really nice person as well. If you're looking around the room thinking, these people are brilliant. Because a lot of people aren't that nice. So. Mm-hmm. not saying you, just saying some people. Some people aren't that nice. Uh, do you believe in luck in terms of career? Do you think yeah. luck plays a part? Yes. Have you been lucky? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could have been luckier. Um, but I think luck as well is just one factor amongst many, though. You know, it's not it's not just luck, is it? But luck plays a huge part, I think, yeah. So if it's not just luck, what, no. are, the, what are the other... Oh, um, uh, determination, um, is, is I suppose, is the other the big thing, isn't it? If you stick around long enough and try hard enough, you will get more, more bites at the apple. Do you believe in big breaks? Like, yeah. Do you, have you ever had a big break? Or have you felt like you've been in the midst of one that has proven otherwise? Um, I don't think I've really had a big break. For a while, I was, I was, um, I still am with um, working with the National Theatre of Brent, which is a, a comedy double act I do with my friend Patrick Barlow. And for a while, we seem to be pretty huge. So, for example, we presented the um, Evening Standard Theatre Awards one year. Oh, wow. I know. We presented the Channel 4 Political Awards one year. Wow. We, we, we were sort of almost celebrities. Uh, or yeah. I thought that may be the trajectory we were on. It's just that it sort of just, poof, faded away and that was that. What happened? I, I, Is it Barlow's fault? I don't know. We did a television series that didn't go very well. And then it's sort of just sort of everything evaporated. John, was it Barlow's fault? It's certainly not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can you try and get me into trouble? Was it Barlow's fault? No. I know, but can't, between you and me, was it Barlow's no. fault? No. He just winked. It's Barlow's fault. No, it's Barlow's fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so this is kind of, the, we're well into the meat of it now, you're glad to hear. Uh, what's, this is a difficult question, I think. Um, what is the longest you've ever been out of work? Ah, oh, I know the answer to this. When I was... Uh, when I first met my wife, I was doing market stalls around London 
and I was making wooden things, a bit of, you know, carpentry, making candlesticks, picture frames, mirrors, that sort of thing, little chairs and tables. Huh? And I was selling them at markets, and I was trying to get auditions at the time. And then she, she, I'd only just met her. She wasn't my wife then. She decided that she wanted to go travelling. And so I wasn't going to let her slip through my fingers. So, and she wanted to go travelling for a year. So I thought, well, that's it. I'm going to follow her around the world. I'm going to meet up with her. I'm going to earn some money and meet her. What age were you? Sorry? What age were you? I was 27. Okay. Um, so I rang up my agent and said, uh, and I hadn't worked for about three months, maybe four months. And I rang my agent at the time and said, uh, I, I feel like I, I want to go and follow this girl around the world for a year. And uh, my agent said, yeah, you might as well. There's nothing else happening. So it was, I, I wasn't working for well over a year, but I was having a very, very nice time. So, OK, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to classify that under a different... I'm going to say that's voluntary, uh, temporary retirement. OK? OK. So what's the longest time which, not out of your own volition in which the industry has decided... It's, I can't remember. I mean, I have plenty of times of being out of work. I, I have been very lucky. I've, I sort of tend to sort of do a lot of theatre, I guess sort of a maybe six months, eight months, something like that, probably. And how does that feel? Well, when I was a young actor, it was insane. I, I, you question... Who you are, your very personality falls apart because you, your personality is tied up with. Uh, I am an actor. That's who I am. That's what I do. So all you've and got. If, and if you're not working, who are you? What are you? So yeah. it create all sorts of existential crises. Now that I'm older, I'm. I've done nothing but act for the last forty years, uh, and you know who. That's what I am. So if I'm out of work for any length of time, I don't care. Because I know who I am, it's fine. And you've got other things going on. Yeah, I've got other things going on. Yeah. But B- building a shed. I'm building a shed at the moment. Um, you can see it through the window there. It's very impressive. It's more of a summer house. Well, there you go. That's very impressive. Um, it, it, this is interesting because I think one of the things that I, I often ask in, kind of to, to, to work this question out a bit is... Um, exactly what you said which is at any point do you feel like you're not an actor anymore and by extension at any point do you feel like have you ever went I'm done I'm out I'm going to give up yes I have done that once and again I was uh, I remember it very well I was on holiday uh, in Morocco couldn't really afford it but we went on holiday to Morocco and I found myself miserable as I was on holiday in Morocco walking through this beautiful gorge desert gorge and uh, realising I was very, very unhappy because I hadn't had a job for some time. At which point I thought, this is crazy, I'm on holiday, I'm in the most beautiful place in the world. I know what I'll do to reverse my mood. I will give up acting. Take control. I'll take control. If it's not working, I'll give up. So I gave up on the spot and had a great holiday and was really happy and had a really, really nice time. And then when I came back, within a couple of weeks, I was, you know, back auditioning and finding work again have you ever felt like I can't act has that kind of thought ever entered your head yeah lost confidence in your ability yeah occasionally yeah yeah yes yes that has happened yeah yeah I mean yeah 
I mean, because acting is 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 a, is a is a multitude of different styles. I mean, people want so many different things from us, don't they? Um, all sorts of different sort of levels of of performance and types of performance, naturalism, fast, extreme, extreme performance styles. And sometimes, you know, quite often I've done loads and loads of big, big theatre and then I go in to do a tiny little naturalistic telly and you can't help but feel like you're being way, way, way over the top and then you feel like an idiot. Uh, This is an odd one. I haven't haven't asked this uh, question in a really long time, um, which is... Can you hear my dog? Is she pain? I can, but I quite like it. It right. sounds like um, a dog. the screams of a thousand actors. I <laughs> uh, 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 haven't asked this question in a long time, and I don't know why, partly because I started to lose faith in the question, but do you find it difficult, to, or have you ever in the past found it difficult to celebrate the successes of friends? When other actor friends have done brilliantly and been brilliant in things or got massive jobs and had those big breaks and those huge lucky moments, have you ever in your darker kind of hours thought, fuck them? It's, it, I, it's one of those emotions, isn't it? Uh, jealousy, which is what it is, that I think we have to be on our guard against because, yes, of course I felt it. So I work quite hard. Not to. Yeah, and I think we have to, because I think you, we have to be self-aware that we have all sorts of negative emotions, and it would be silly of me to pretend I didn't. But I think it's important to, to know that those things are there and to work against them. So I think, you know, we have to celebrate each other. I'm not there yet. I, I have made the transition from, you know, watching people who are totally different to me, like, you know, different age, different gender, different race, uh, doing well and thinking, <laughs> and, and I, I mean, what I, have they got that I haven't? But you know, and realizing that it's a six-year-old black woman. Get over yourself. Uh, you're not up for the same parts. Right? Um, but but I've got to the point now where I have friends who are in a similar kind of bracket to me, and when they do well, I don't think, oh fuck them. I think, oh, why is it not me? You yeah, know that kind but- of slightly slightly less, I suppose pointed, aggressive kind of jealousy. Jealousy nonetheless, but a kind of sense of almost injustice, you know. (laughs) Well, quite, I mean, quite. I mean, we we have to have, we we have to build ourselves up with so much confidence that it's sometimes it's going to turn over into competitiveness. Yeah. And that's, how could it be otherwise? How could it possibly be otherwise? Of course, we're competitive. And, uh, but I think if you acknowledge it and, 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 and sort of, be be tolerant of your own inadequacies. You can slap it down and just say, and then celebrate each other. I really I, think I, so. Yeah, totally. And I'm I'm getting there. I remember working with a director years ago, and he did a lot of youth kind of uh, theatre and education, all sorts. And he played this. I can't remember what the game was, but he played this kind of warm up game, and uh, he played it maybe I don't know fifty times with kids. And he commented the first time he played it with actors, he explained the rules. And, you know, they said, oh, okay, okay. And then someone put their hand up and went, ah, okay, how do we know he's won? And he said, no, there is no, it's the, you would just do it for a while and then we'll, we'll play a different game. Oh, but how do you, like, so there's no winner? Like, how do you eliminate someone? <laughs> because they get so caught up. And you know those workshop games where, warm-up games, whenever it's, it's, you're left with two people and somebody wins. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter in the context of a rehearsal, then everybody finishes and then you go into the play. No. But, but for some reason, 
it matters. It does matter. It does matter. I mean, I've been in lots of companies recently where, where, where the cast, because the director likes it, plays a particular ball game. Right. And what's it called? I think we probably played it when we worked together. Uh, where you throw a ball into a square, and I can't remember what it's called. But I've played it many, many times. And it's addictive, and people get angry. People get hurt. And hurt. People get hurt in that room. Yeah. Room. And, and, I, there, uh, were definitely, there were definitely warm-ups that we played where people got injured. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but that, it's that sense of Relax. competitiveness, you know, and we've all got it. So you've already said what kind of things you do when you're not an actor to, to stay sane, I suppose. Yeah. You know, you're out building a shed. Do you yeah. think those things are important? Well, um, they're important to me. Uh, I, I've, I've never really had another job. Okay. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've tinkered with, with woodwork, is what I've done. Um, one sec. Rue? Hi. Hi, sweetheart. Come and say hello. I love this. This is great. Babe, come in here. This is Jonathan. Hi, yeah. Hey. How you doing? I'm having a quick interview. But well done on your French. Well done on your French. Thank you. Am I interrupting? Yeah. But I'll only be five minutes, honey. It's okay. I'll only be five minutes. What was the French? Uh, spoken... Spoken French. And she, Oral. And got, she got a good B, a really good B. Well done. Like a, an advanced Cracking. B plus, wasn't it? No, low B. Oh, low B. Oh, well, well done. Well done. B flat. Well done. Um, class. So, yeah, so while it's, while it's just been, literally it's been, it's entered the room, be an actor and a parent. Yeah. Um, that's got to have its positives. Yeah. In terms of what we're talking about at the minute, which yeah. is something else to take an interest in, right? Yeah. Um, and something to drive you on and push you forwards. It's also got to have a downside, which is yeah. that it's a huge responsibility that yeah. sometimes we're not... Uh, I mean, I, I found that uh, my family has been very, very tolerant uh, of me because I have gone away for vast, long periods of time. Um, I was working in Lithuania for three months and I was in America for nearly four and a half, I think. Is that the hardest part then, being away? Well, I think so, because you, you, you miss out, don't you, on, on your child growing up, if, if you let that happen too often. On the other side of that, we're at home all the time as well. Yeah. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts. Do you feel the financial pressure more because of that sense of, of providing yeah, as a parent? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And do you think the... the kids, I mean, I have a responsibility now. Well, of course, but also, do the, and you say the kids and the family are supportive and very forgiving of, of you being away from home. In those moments where I'm sure when the kids are growing up and other kids' parents have regular incomes mm. and can do the things that regular mm. families do, or afford rather to yeah. do the things, you've possibly had to say in the past, listen, we can't afford that right now, or, or you yeah. know. Yeah, I, th I think, I think uh, people's expectations, you know, I, I don't think, I think my daughter has always sort of, lived within the means of my budget. And with it, how would you have been with, with, I mean, obviously it sounds like it'd be fine if she'd, she'd said, listen, Dad, I, I want to I wanna be an actor. Would you have been proud, pleased, worried? Uh, All of the above? I would have been f fine. It's, it's, it's a choice. But the, the difference with being an actor, I think, than to most other jobs is that if you haven't got the determination and the passion for it, I would say there's very little point in doing it. So... There is some sort of test you have as a youngster. Yeah. There is a sort of a, a test uh, that you go through, an ordeal by fire as a young actor, where you learn very quickly whether you're up for it or not. Because it's tough. It's really tough. Or for most people, it's tough, I should say. What's the toughest thing? 
uh, feeling that you're one of a million uh, would-be actors and you can't get a break. And that can go on for a protracted period of time, which can just sap your soul. Yeah. Um, That's an ordeal by fire, I'd say. Uh, have you ever been aware of a job having changed you? Ever for, I mean, in terms of playing a part. And that can be either for it's funny, a, isn't it, holding a grimace on the way home for half an yeah. hour or, or the finding six months later you view the world differently. Or it, it's funny. It's, it's, I, I mostly get that from other people. Like, I would say no, but it's funny how people say to m me, uh, I remember the first time it happened, I was playing McKeith when I was at college in uh, Thrupney Opera, and my girlfriend at the time said, oh my God. God, you're just like him. <laughs> you you know, because I, I yes. am I, am I, yeah. as I, you know, took away my flick knife. Yeah. But you, you can't see it probably, but yes, I'm sure we're influenced by it because we, we try and absorb those characters into our own skin, don't we? And we're going to, yeah. Yeah. So, so recently <laughs> my wife started calling me Sheppy. Because of uh, I must have been bringing it home. Must have been. Yeah. And what about in a more long-term kind of way of that constantly trying to? I mean, I was thinking on the way down here. I was thinking if I had, th and you'll probably hit this. If three words to describe John off the top of my head, I said uh, sensitive, empathetic, and creative. That's nice. Right. Well, you're welcome. That's also the first, literally the first three come into my head. But that that continued empathy for people who may not necessarily have a similar background or quite often a similar viewpoint on the world. Do you think that makes us any different? I'm not saying actors are very special. And I think we, we're trained in empathy, aren't we? That, that that's our job, you know, in, in a way. I think empathy is sort of like a big part of the job. That, that it's our job to uh, in, feel what other people feel. Yeah. And to feel it genuinely, not, not to comment on it, or sometimes to comment on it, but to actually have the resources to feel without judgment. You know, so, they, so it's, the, it's, the, it's the truism, isn't it, that if you play a baddie, a villain, it'll only work if you believe in him, yeah. if, if you believe he's a, he's a rounded character, if, yeah. if, if you like him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think empathy is like what we do. It's kind of in the last section you'll be glad to hear. Okay. It's, this is trial by fire in some ways. Not this question, this interview. Uh, do you consider yourself successful? Uh, I suppose it depends on context. Yes, in that I've managed to keep going for this long. Well, that's my next question, is how do you personally define success? Yeah, that, that I'm still doing it, that I'm still working, and that I'm enjoying it. That, to me, says, yes, I'm successful. Has, has that definition evolved over the years, though? I mean, if, if I'd spoken to you at 23, yeah, come to drama school, and I'd said, John, well, what's, what's success? What might he have said? It, yeah, I, I think that's the thing, is that I remember we had a question at drama school whereby we were, had to write down a little something, and one of the questions we said, uh, how do you see your future? And I wrote down, as we all did, I think, probably, in my class, um, I... I I will have made it by 30. And yeah. if I haven't made it by 30, I will give up. I will give up. Of course, I didn't know what I meant by made it at 30. Yeah. What do I mean by that? And I still don't know really what I meant or what it means to have made it. I, I have no idea what that means, really. 
So I'm not a household name and no one knows who I am, but I have been working which all this time, which is pretty... It's, it, it's something to be celebrated. If anyway. you could go back to that guy writing that particular um, aspiration and you could offer him a piece of advice or two to make the intervening years pass a little bit less stressfully, a little bit f- some uh, fewer uh, um, bit moments of self-doubt or any of that. What kind of things might you offer him? Uh, just... It, it, it always seems so... It can seem incredibly bleak. And we all go... I think all for every single young actor goes through such darkness when, when it's not working because you haven't, you haven't got your, your a history to, to, to go back to. So, well, I must be OK because I've done this. You know, like, like now, I can say I've been doing this for so many decades that, you know, it must be OK. And you don't have that security or surety when you're a young actor. So that's all ahead of you. And I think there's a, there's a huge joy in that, you know. It's all ahead of you. That's great, isn't it? That's exciting. That's really exciting. Would you, would you tell him to change what he would ha- change his answer? Would you say, listen, the whole make it by 30 thing, it's not really, oh, you know. Yeah, but I don't think I'd bother even to do that. <laughs> Just let him have his moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got to, have to be motivated by something, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, the fact is I got to 30... I didn't, <laughs> I didn't give up. Yeah, I didn't give you up. You had made it and but still it, didn't give yeah. up. So, so uh, I think that's fine. Uh, we're pretty much all done. Uh, yeah. There is but uh, one remaining question. Yeah. It's the standard bonus question. Um, and it used to be the title of the podcast. Are you in anything at the minute? Nothing at all, no. Uh, that's not quite true. I've got a radio play um, next week. Okay, so th- I'm going to put this out on Monday, right? So you could actually be the first person ever to break all of the rules and promote something because it's a radio play. I feel like it's a good thing to do. What's the radio play? Um, it's called Imaginary Media and it's a play for Radio 3. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we shall listen. I'm sure it's also going to be available at the same time as a podcast as well. I'm sure it'll be sure. on the Radio 3. Um, John, again, Thank you uh, all so much for your honesty, above all. Um, it's been a real pleasure to kind of to chat to you, even though you spent half the time thinking, I could see it in your eyes, what's he going to ask next? No, I was thinking, <laughs> is that dog going to come through the door and create havoc? It didn't. So, listen, thank you very much. Pleasure. So while you have been hopefully enjoying my conversation with John Ram, I have been running. I've run about 13 miles, which is not how I like to usually spend my Sundays. I'm about to add some ice to a bath before I get in. I'll explain why once I've done that. You've got to be kidding me. Alright, so this year I am running the London Marathon for the Actors Children's Trust and oh it's okay, Gracie. Oh, oh, it's okay. So, this year I am running the London Marathon for the Actors Children's Trust. I'm about five weeks into 16 weeks of training, and I've so far raised about 140 quid. I have agreed to raise 1500 
for the Active Children's Trust by the time I run the marathon. So if you'd like to help raise that target for a very good cause, please go to justgiving.com forward slash Jay Harden. I know I'm not the only actor running the marathon. In fact, there are a couple who've sent in little bits of information about their own fundraising campaigns. And while I'm sitting here in this ice bath, it's actually not that bad. Uh, here are some of those that I've received this week. I'm Emma Manton and I'm running the London Marathon this year for the UN Refugee Agency, uh, UNHCR. If you're free on the 26th of February, come along to my fundraising event at the Theatre Royal Haymarket. We've got new writing from Richard Bean, uh, Phil Porter, Michelle Terry, Stephanie Dale, songs by Jennifer Toxvig and some amazing performers all giving their time for free. Come along. Hi, it's Chris Harper. I'm about to appear on your television screens doing horrible, horrible things to Bethany Platt in Coronation Street and becoming the nation's least favourite sex terror, according to Inside Soap magazine. I would love you to sponsor me doing the London Marathon for the NSPCC, trying to counteract child sexual exploitation and also going the long way around trying to sort out this new public image I've created. Um, having your support would mean everything. It's justgiving.com forward slash Chris Harper Corrie Run. Thanks ever so much. So if you would like to have your own campaign mentioned at the end of the next episode in a fortnight, just email a little clip telling me a little bit about yourself, what you're running for and how training is going to honestactors at gmail.com. I have got to sit here for another 10 to 20 minutes and then I'm going to the pub. I'll be back in a fortnight with another interview. Until then, for those of you who are training, happy running. And to everyone else, you lucky, lucky bastards. Speak to you soon. Justgiving.com forward slash J Harden. Justgiving.com forward slash J Harden. Justgiving.com forward slash J Harden. J H A R D E N. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.